listening to Skull Crack, Ireland's first and foremost Magic the Gathering podcast. I'm your host, David Wolf, and I'm joined here by... Kieran And Alan. And each and every week we bring you all the latest Magic news, as well as the tournament report, and of course, our deck of the week. How are you lads? It's been a while. It's been a very long time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. this is going to happen a lot. <laughs> it's a whole new world for us. Yes. Yeah, all right. You have you have the talking stick, Al. I do. Okay. Well, um, we are we are here over the internet airwaves. Um, I'm presuming you two are also in your underwear because I am. Um, so everyone here, I, I can you know, book a list kind of thing. You know, be do a podcast in underwear. We're all at home in our respective homes, uh, speaking to you online. Uh, David Wolf is on the other side of the planet. Indeed, I am. I'm I'm sitting under a blanket. I'm not in my underwear. Uh, the blanket <laughs> to um, dampen the sound so that that it sounds a little bit nicer. Nice. That's a great idea. I'm also not in my underwear. I have a new pair of jeans that I need to break in, so I'm getting multitasking here. <laughs> nice. Uh, okay. Well, is the only degenerate here. Um, yeah. So. Well, since we since we've had an episode, uh, apologies for that. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, that's what happens when one of the hosts moves to uh, Vietnam, which is where I am currently. Um, and we have kind of finally wrangled our schedules into such a place where we can attempt the over the air podcast. So that's what we're gonna we're gonna do today. Yeah, we've overcome lots of trials and tribulations and technical difficulties to bring this to you. And you know, even just when that intro music was playing right before I was getting goosebumps, I'm like, God, the boys are back. <laughs> Have we changed the intro music to the boys are back in tap? <laughs> not as and if not, should we? Should we? <laughs> yeah, possibly. It's uh, it's worth we're talking about, but uh, that's that's for that's for later. Uh, okay, so yeah. For our old listeners and new listeners alike, we are um, we are kind of a competitive-minded uh, MTG podcast, so most of our discussion week to week is going to be based on our ex- own experiences in competitive Magic play. Uh, obviously, that has kind of changed a lot since we last did an episode. We have things like Arena coming out. We have... A massive injection of money into the Magic Pro League, the creation of the Magic Pro League, uh, whole loads of changes, but we're not going to go over all that. That's ancient history at this stage. Well, actually, we still don't know how a lot of it's going to shake out, but yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's unfolding history. We're, we're always looking forward. So we're looking forward now to Ravnica Allegiance, which is coming out, I guess, next or two weeks from now. Uh, the, the pre-release is this weekend, right? Yeah. It is. I'm going to be missing it, unfortunately, because I'll be on my holly bops in London for the weekend. Ooh, very nice. Yeah, drop into a store. <laughs> Say, yeah, oh, I'm like... going to spend. I'm going to spend six hours playing Magic instead of going around sightseeing London. That's. <laughs> yeah, that's fine, I, mean, right? I might do just to get the packs or whatever, and then. then drop it. Yeah. Could be an idea. Um, I will not be participating in any kind of pre-release because those don't really happen here. Um, I, I was I was afraid that there would be literally no magic in Vietnam, but I actually have found a little magic community who have regular events. Unfortunately, I can't go to any of them because of my 
work schedule, but, you know, I've been to the odd one here or there when I had a day off. That's cool. cool. Yeah, do you want to talk about that? Because I, I feel like people would be interested in that in terms of being in a country where there is no organized play and stuff and how players try to make it work. Like, you know, how, how do you even get product? Do people have to buy it kind of on, like online on eBay or whatever in order to draft, you know, or are there shops where you can get it? Yeah, so it is quite interesting, um, like coming as a as a newcomer into the into their community here. Um, so I'm in I'm in Hanoi, which is the capital city of Vietnam. Um, it's not the biggest city though. Saigon is the biggest city. Um, so yeah, I mean I don't even know what the population of Hanoi is, but like compared to Dublin, it's definitely a lot bigger. But the amount of people playing Magic here is way smaller. Um, I think okay. like maybe twenty people playing Magic here, and I mean on a regular basis, I'd say maybe ten. Um, but yeah, you you always see these kind of posts on on like the Reddit and stuff, and Magic players generally are very welcoming to new people in their community. You always love to see new people at F and M, what have you, and it's really no different here except for the fact that there's no official kind of organized play as such here there's no um there's no wizard sanctioned store i don't know what's that what's that called a wpn there's no wpn store. yeah um there is however like a like there's kind of a growing board game scene here so like there's a few board game shops board game cafes and yeah the the place where i found to play is kind of one of those board game cafe style places and they just have a magic event. They have like two magic events a week. They have a, an FNM, which is usually standard, I think. And then they have like a Saturday event. That's usually a draft. Um, the way that they get product is basically the owner of the store regularly goes to the US for business, completely unrelated business. I think he's like a, a trader or something like that. And he also just happens to like magic. So he decided to set up this store and, you know, foster this community. But like, for example, if he ever decided to move to the US, the whole scene here would just collapse. Oh God. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, that's pretty much what I thought, that it would have to be kind of yeah, done by, by people just bringing in product themselves. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, it's cool that they do like an F&M type thing. Is it, would it be possible for, you know, for that store to get like WPN? I don't. I don't really know how it works with WPN, or is it is there is it just the fact that there is no structure in place, like in the country at all? Does it just make it too hard to kind of formalize, or maybe the guy just isn't bothered? Um, I think it's probably there's like a supply issue, plus there's going to be like, it, it, are there enough players to meet this demand? It's it's like is it is it worth Wizards' time to be shipping promotional materials to a store? when the potential return in terms of like players and new players that they could get is very low i think maybe as vietnam develops more um I'm, like i'm not trying to say that, like it's a completely undeveloped country it's not it's quite developed here but like as the kind of middle class grows and people have more disposable income maybe a few years down the line that's when those kind of changes could happen um but as it is now i think to setting up uh a distribution network here would be kind of difficult. I mean, they do have it in nearby countries, so maybe they could do it. Um, like, it's, you know, Vietnam borders China, and 
they have them in China. And the the scene in Thailand is pretty big, as far as I know, and Thailand's not very far away. So certainly it could happen. I'm not sure specifically. There might be some legal barriers as well. I don't know. Like Vietnam's a communist country, so I don't know. <laughs> yep, true, true, true. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting anyway. But I presume, segueing uh, very easily, that that has led to you playing a lot more Magic Arena since you've been there. Indeed it has. I actually did buy a, a paper deck just to just to like on the off chance that I'd be able to go to a few events. I bought, um, is it Drake's, but uh, off a guy who was kind of bringing a load of cards into the country. But uh, so I had a chance to play that. But yes, I am mostly playing Magic Arena. And I was also playing mostly, is it Drake's there? <laughs> and uh, nice. it's Control as well. Yeah, I'm doing the same on Arena. I, I built, is it Drake's first? And then that led to kind of being able to, to get the cards for Jeskai Control kind of, Easily enough. Yeah, yeah. I, I started off. I yeah. I, I started off playing Grixis Control and spent um, all of my wild cards on the mana base, um, and then I. <laughs> so it was definitely not the right way to start. Um, I, I had to go into is a Drake extent from that, but um, yeah. So now I've I've um, no wild cards. It's waiting, waiting for the new for the new set hit before I go more any more any more money in. So I stupidly used I stupidly used all my wild cards trying to build White Weenie, and then realized I still needed seven more rare wild cards or something so now i just have God. no wild cards and, and no extra deck yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm using cinder barons i think for a uh, dragon skull summit yeah, that's all but God, that's, that's terrible yeah we go turn one cinder barons we can't beat that that's the same as turn one dragon skull summit so <laughs> exactly exactly very true um yeah so magic arena has been kind of a it, it arrived at a great time for me and i think it's gone kind of going from strength to strength People have concerns about it in terms of best of one being on the ladder and what have you. But I think in general, people are being very positive about Magic Arena. And it's it's uh, definitely doing well for Wizards for in, in order for them to to announce that you can they're going to have mythic championships on it. So, yeah, I think it's great. I've been really enjoying the experience. I know the last time we talked about Arena was obviously whatever six months ago or however long we recorded a podcast but uh i think we were we were pretty down on it then i didn't really like talking about it much but i've actually the last couple of months i've really been enjoying it and i think uh i think it's a really great great program now so yeah yeah because i found them because i obviously going to gps i was playing a lot of magic online but i felt like when i made a switch from magic online to playing arena it suddenly felt like it was just fun to realize oh this this magic game is actually kind of fun whereas you know as much as i loved my magic online it always felt like, you know, I'm just doing this to practice for paper. Whereas, um, uh, in Magic Arena, it's like, oh, I'm just playing for the crack now. And uh, it's, yeah, it's just, it, is, it is very wonderful. And then I find myself going back to, whenever I go back to Modo, that I'm still, like, you know, trying to click and drag cards. Um, it's, always, it's always a very sad experience uh, going back. So I still play in Modo. Yeah, I was playing a lot of Cube over the holidays on Modo and stuff like that. That's something, if they ever did manage to, to get, a decent cube format into uh, into arena that would probably be the end of, of moto for me yeah, apart from yeah. I, I have my legacy decks on there or whatever but haven't been playing that, that very much recently either yeah I mean, I, i've been sold out of moto and then yeah I, I, was, I was playing a lot of uh, ultimate masters uh going to the gp the gp this weekend and um, so we'll we can talk about that later but um yeah like i kind of you know as i was coming towards the end of the week i was like all right after this you know after after this last draft of ultimate masters i probably won't be playing moto again for a while because arena is so much more fun yeah, although I gotta say the uh, the economy crash in Modo 
after all the MPL announcements was pretty nice for anyone who wanted to play modern on there. All the yeah. modern decks were suddenly half the price they were the day before. Yeah, I, I actually sold it right before that, um, so I, I didn't get hit by too much. Well, um, I probably contributed to uh, the the run in the banks. Oh no! Yeah. Sell, sell, sell. I know, good timing, fair play. Yeah, yeah. Do, do you guys know? Has that kind of like stayed in place? Have have, have prices gone up, or like are are um are the big uh, moto traders like buying collections again, or buying tickets again, or what have you? They are, but the prices are still very low. The economy hasn't really recovered at this point. Uh, I think people are expecting it to recover a little bit more, but uh, yeah, it's pretty bad. I think chests are are really really cheap at the moment. Uh, like yeah, ticket prices are still quite low as well. Yeah. So open all your chests is what you're saying. Well, maybe. I mean, you'll get a lot of play points, but then are you going to be playing Moto long enough to use them? No. Ooh, bold. I have 100 play points. I I, I want to spend on. That's the last thing. The last thing I have Moto is 100 play points. So I'm waiting for something to spend do it a on. Cube draft. It's still, I think it's still there today. Cube. Oh, it's still there, is it? Oh, maybe we'll do that. I think okay. So, yeah. yeah I'll wait till Halloween and just do a Innistrad draft or some kind of flashback. La, la, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. On Moto was uh, I, I think I just had some play points hanging around, um, and I wanted to just like see if I could get a few extra tickets to cash out. And so I entered uh, Ravnica draft, and then I just shame, shamelessly money drafted an Arclight Phoenix, and then like nice. oh three, pretty good, and uh, and then just sold the Arclight Phoenix, and then sold out. Nice, yeah, that's my that, that was my last with uh, with Magic Online, and I think <laughs> that's pretty much going to be the slow death of Magic Online from here on out. Of course, it's still available there for people to play Modern and Legacy, and that's great. But I, I would love yeah. to play some modern on Magic Arena. Oh, guy, it's and I, I know it's not, I feel I feel like it is almost impossible to happen. Uh, but it's something that we can dream about, dream about, and, yeah, I, and somebody wish for. Unlikely. I think they need yeah. to make managing the stack a bit better before you can get it to <laughs> modern. It's such a nightmare at the moment. Yeah. Can you imagine trying to do like looking at an Ironworks combo or whatever going off on Arena at the moment? Uh, should that be banned before him? Um, that's before, actually, yeah, that's fine. Before, <laughs> Speaking of which, Mox yeah. Opal currently twenty-seven tickets on Magic Online, Ooh, down oh, from sixty in September. Holy shit! It's, oh. it's been slowly crashing since then. God. Yeah. Anybody who has uh, played the card Niv Mizzet in uh, Magic Arena knows how unmanageable that stack can get. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. They, they, it's something they need to they need to sort out. Your your opponent goes to like Vraska's contempt. Your Niv Mizzet. And then you sinister sabotage, and then they they counter you, and then you want to counter that, and you're trying to click this like half a pixel worth of blue. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's a that's one of the few niggles I have with the uh, arena at the moment. I think I think in general it's pretty good. Yeah, and yeah, and I think that's something that's a very good idea. Yeah. Yeah. In your future. The thing that annoys me as well is uh, when you're trying to check. Um, you're trying to check how many like cards are in an opponent's graveyard for like undergrowth or something like that, and you're trying to click on it, but it just it gives you the like pop up image of whatever the top card of the graveyard is, and you're like, well, I, I can't click click on the graveyard because this. You can actually click with the library anyway. You can click below the library, and then it'll pop that. It'll show you that. 
yeah instead of clicking but it's it's fiddly though yeah it is it is quite fiddly you're trying to like click different areas to see where another thing that has gotten me uh, a couple of times is things like um it, this is if you leave your like auto mana on things like uh trying to attack with a nickel bolus and accidentally transforming it or trying to, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> trying to attack with a nezahal and accidentally discarding three cards and exiling it that one's pretty bad that literally happened to me yeah, just for this where we recorded that literally happened to me. Yeah, yeah no crack. This is uh yeah, there needs to be like a, an okay or something added to those those abilities. Yeah, yeah. The, the auto tapping as well is pretty bad for tapping your search for Azkanta. Yeah. That's been flipped for as mana instead of just tapping like a normal land, which like it's just something you gotta be careful about. Yeah. Yeah, and also if you have like a, a utility land, like a field of ruin or like a, a detection tower, it will like almost never want to tap that for you even though you may like obviously want to tap it like if you have a detection tower it's there for pretty much carnage tyrant and that's it so like you want to tap it most of the time just for a colorless mana to save your sources um, mm, yeah anyway we, we shouldn't be niggling about it because like it is a great program and i'm sure like these are things that are going to get ironed out over time but they do have to be brought up because otherwise people won't be aware yeah, yeah, we're Arena. heroes in a way. Yeah, and Rina's going to save magic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe you know, we don't know. Um, shall we try to talk a little bit about Ravnica Allegiance? Yeah, definitely. What, what, what do you mean try? Are you are you implying that it's going to be difficult? Yes, yes, I think it's going to be very, very difficult. Uh, purely because there are so many good cards. That is true. Yeah, I mean this this set looks very very exciting. I'm sad that I won't be able to like like play it in person really. Um yeah, I'm 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 super excited for this set. So the what we've got here is we have each chosen our like top 3 cards from the set in no particular order that we'd like to talk about and I think we have like a good mix of cards here. Um Almost no green cards, which is kind of crazy. <laughs> Some of the... yeah, I just realized. Yeah, all my cards are the same color. <laughs> really? I have I have two green cards, and I was considering a third one. Oh, you do have two green. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Frilled, Frilled Mystic is like half green or whatever. Um, but yeah, I think we're 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 big on the on the red and black in this list. Um, oh yes, class. So uh, maybe do you want to do just like each person does their full list and we talk about them, or do you want to do one each going around? I think it'd be easier to go through all. If you go through all of your tree, okay. So I'll, I'll do my tree here on this history. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll hit mine first. So the the first one on my list again, this is in no particular order, but uh, the first one on my list is Terramander. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> make it an edit there to your yeah. just, so, just so you don't forget to talk about your favorite card. Yes, yeah, we have our yeah we ha we have our show notes here in front of us. Uh, the power of Google Docs. So Kieran's doing some live edits here, adding some cards to my. <laughs> um, yeah, the first card I want to talk about is Terramander. So for people who don't know, it is a creature Salamander Drake. It's a single blue mana for a one one with flying. And it has Adapt 4. Oh, yeah, Adapt 4. 
for seven and a blue. So adapt is the Simic mechanic, and it it says that um, it's like an activated ability, and when you activate it, if the creature doesn't have any plus one plus one counters on it, you put that number of plus one plus one counters on it. So adapt four is four counters. But the interesting thing about Salamander Drake, no, sorry, Terramander. <laughs> Uh, it, it was called Salabander Drake previously. Yes, yes. <laughs> so the interesting thing about that is that uh, the adapt cost is reduced by one for each instant and sorcery in your graveyard. So if you have seven instants and sorceries in your graveyard, it is a 5-5 five, 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 five flyer for two blue mana. That is sick. Yes. It is you very good. Over, yeah, over two turns, like, you could... Yeah, you can split it up as well. That's the that's another good thing. You can play it on turn one, uh, go completely insane on turn two, and then have a five five. Probably not. <laughs> Let's go. Good shot. Good shot. Good shot. Surgical. No. Yeah. So I think from from playing with like Gurmag Angler and stuff in modern, like you could get six cards into your graveyard uh, on turn two. In like you know Grixis Shadow or whatever with Thoughtscare and two fetch lands, but then two of those necessarily had to be lands, not instants and sorceries, and you'd have to be very lucky to hit, you know, all instants and sorceries when you're when you're milling yourself, you know, when you're playing with these delve cards. So I'm kind of unsure how fast you can actually get this to be you know a one mana cost. I'd say most of the time it's still going to cost you like three mana or something to activate, even if you build your deck around it early in the game. Yeah, it's it's not it's definitely not coming online as early as Gurmag Angler can. Um, I suppose, like the the interesting thing about this card is, I think it actually has applications in in standard, modern, and legacy. I think in legacy, it's probably outclassed in general. It's just a bit too expensive. It's kind of similar to Tombstalker, uh, more similar to Tombstalker than it is to Del oh, yeah. or to or to Gurmag Angler, I suppose. Uh, mm. Just always, it's always going to cost two. But at the same time, you can split that up. So mm, I don't know. You can play it on turn one. It's it's better face up than Delver. I mentioned earlier. Yep, just has flying, you know. So I, I mentioned Charter Course. I think in standard and in any, I, I presume you're going to play this with Charter Course in in like Eternal formats as well. So like, yeah, it's, it's pretty nice. So it's pretty pretty good with Curious Obsession as well in standard. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it can definitely slot into blue, uh, mono blue in in standard. I think you would have to change. Well, I don't know. It depends on whether you're just in for the one one flying for one in mono blue, which maybe you are, maybe you aren't. Um, like Siren Storm Tamer is clearly just better then if you're if you're only looking for that. But like mm-hmm. you could change your deck a little bit in mono blue. You could like. I mean, how many instances and sources does mono blue usually run now? It runs like at least three dive downs maybe four it runs four wizards retort it runs uh i guess spell pairs charter courts spell pairs charter course but not full sets of those right maybe like two charter course two spell pairs you yeah increase those you could increase those you, you could definitely get up to like 16 instance and sorceries maybe or 12 yeah this might just replace the the one one unblockable merfolk in the deck could as, but... as a different one drop Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think I think that one drop is is important though to block a one drop. Um, yeah, unless I suppose if the deck is doing something different uh, with this in it instead. Um, this is just another unblockable one drop, isn't it? 
Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, not like flying creatures, but yeah, yeah, more more or less. But flying creatures, flying creatures are very relevant in this standard. So I think just having flying maybe not good enough sometimes. Like that's true. There's a lot of drakes and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and that that's another place where this card fits in. Actually, is uh, possibly even better than um than mono blue is is into the is it drakes list um because obviously you're gonna you're putting a lot of instants and sorcerers in your graveyard there possibly you're playing phoenix as well um so yeah that that could be another another drake in there it's true i feel like that deck was already kind of glutted on threats you know what i mean you could decide if you wanted to play the phoenixes or you didn't how many how many between four and eight drakes you wanted to play, how many Niv-Mizzets you wanted to play. Like, it's definitely, it could be a different take on that deck, but I don't feel like that was a weakness of the deck, you know, that that, that this is filling. Yeah, I would agree with you there. Also, it's a drake, so, I don't know, you could get some unclaimed territories in there, you could make the mana better, I don't know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> would, you do, would you do that? I don't know. I think it was, because you have so many instant sorceries. <laughs> I mean, well, all, all your instant sorceries can't be cast off, then. I guess, but like it depends what you want to do because if you're like I'm not talking about four unclaimed territories. I mean, at the moment the deck usually okay. plays yeah. usually plays like a bunch of islands and mountains. Then it plays four four steam vents, four um, sulfur falls, and usually like one is it Gilgate or whatever Highland Lake. You could get rid of yeah. one and put put in an unclaimed territory just so that you can. Maybe play the Salamander Drake turn one or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, that, that's possible. Um... I feel like that deck going forward might might have a third color more often as well, just because the mana is getting so much better. Like, is there really going to be a reason just to be straight? Is it, it rather than Grixis or Jeskai now? Yeah. Well, does it feel like well, does the mana intensity of uh, Crackling Drake and uh, Nimbus it force you to be straight? Is it? Well, you'll. You'll just be playing all the same lands as you as you would if you were just as it for those cards. Like you'll have the same mana, right? More. Like the only thing is you have to sh- you, you only have to shock yourself more. That's the downside. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. 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 Like for if you just add Blood Crypt to the deck, it's it's literally just takes the place of four mountains, but it also allows you to cast black spells. So like the deck has already slightly move towards a lot of decks have um like one dragon skull summit so that they can cast the dispersal part of discovery dispersal yeah i always oh, hated yeah. that I've, I've played some lists with that and i I've, I've really not liked it i feel like the downside of just having the dragon skull summit is just not worth it early game compared to casting that card but do you think then if, if you could if you could just play Bloodcrypt in that same position instead of uh, Dragon Skull Summit would that be better? Oh yeah, it's much better because it comes in untapped yeah. early. Like a lot of the time, I felt like that Dragon Skull Summit was coming in tapped on like turn two or whatever, and stopping yeah, me from yeah. like casting my first cantrip. Yeah, yeah, because you tend to have more islands than mountains in that deck. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, that's a but we've gone off off course a little bit. I feel, but yeah, this this card definitely going to see some application across across different formats. I think. I, I think it. I think it's potentially better than like Del- like Delver is fairly irrelevant in modern and I think it's potentially better in modern uh, or it could see more play in modern so uh, it's an exciting card I think it, people are definitely going to experiment with it and we will see it in in decks going forward yep 
Glass. Agreed. All right. Uh, the next card that I have here is Pestilent Spirit, um, which is a rare. And it is it's a bit of a weird one. I, I didn't think this one was like a card that people were excited about. But then, Al, you said that it was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's it is like a fun card. It reminds me of a Hearthstone card. Um, kind of does, yeah. I, I, I chose it not because I think it's like super powerful, although I do think it is more powerful than some pe- than people might give it credit for. Um, I mainly chose it for like the one the one line on the rules text. So I'll read out the card. It's like it's yeah. a black uh, creature, and the creature type is spirit. Because it is pestilent spirit. Uh, oh, three two with menace and death touch. So that's a quite a good combination of abilities. Um, so you know if it's blocking, it has to be blocked by two creatures, and it's going to kill them both because it has death touch. And it also says, yeah, it's pretty sick. And sorcery spells you control have death touch. So the last time we saw like a line of text similar to this was Soulfire Grandmaster in Fate Reforged, mm. I think it was. And that was Instance and Sword yeah. you control have um, uh, Link. So here it's kind of funny because it's like, oh, it's in black. And like black spells usually just say destroy. They don't do damage. So who cares? But I think it's obviously it's a really good pair with red. Because now your lightning strike is just Doomblade. Yeah, or maybe your your shock like it's. Yeah, even shock shock is, shock is pat. <laughs> Swords of Plowshare. I don't know. Yeah, pat. Well, it's pretty good with a uh, shake the foundations, right? Or like that's what I was thinking. Cosmotronic wave. I, I, yes. I think, um, it would have been insane with uh, you you know that spell. I think it was from uh, I think it was from Amonkhet. It was like one mana to do one damage to everything. Would have been. Insane. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, I mean, like, like jewel shot. It's pretty great with jewel shot. Very good with jewel shot. Oh yeah. Problem is, all these cards are terrible if you don't have the pestilence spirit in play. <laughs> this is very true. Yeah, that, it, yeah. That, that's why. That's why you, know, you get um, shake of a nation's is cantrip, right? So true. it's not terrible if you don't have it. So. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think of like cosmotronic wave only deals damage to like your opponent's creatures, so that's obviously better. Because yeah. the fact that this is a creature, you're going to kill it, you know, whenever you 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 cast Shake the Foundation. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, <laughs> never mind. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it does uh, get killed itself by a lot of those spells. If it worked on players, it would be good. Just lightning strike your <laughs> opponent and kill them. <laughs> that's literally what I thought when I first saw it. I was like, this card is bananas. Oh, no, wait, that's <laughs> obviously not how it works. <laughs> yeah, that would be pretty good. Um, yeah, so I think this is like kind of um, it's a it's a card that's like good on rate for like for like aggressive black decks or like black red decks, and I think aggressive black red decks will certainly be a feature of the upcoming format. Um, but it's also like combo-y kind of, and I remember like before last after people were getting excited about um, the potential of status statue with Goblin Chain Whirler, and this is kind of a similar. Oh yeah. Um, maybe they could be in the same deck. Who knows? Yeah, true. Although probably not. John Demet. Then you're in like three. Yeah, then you're in John Colors, but you have a Goblin Chain Whirler that needs like twenty three sources of red or whatever it is. Yeah, maybe you just you just get red black, but you don't you don't play um, uh, statue. You don't, you just 
you'll play for the first side. Yeah, sure. Yeah, maybe. Um, so that's not exactly like a highlight of the set, but I thought it was a cool card. And my final card is one that I've been super excited about since it was spoiled. Although, I don't know if I'm playing it. I, I'm sure I will at some point. It's a... Uh, uh, which is a black, black, red, instant, uh, destroy target creature or planeswalker or artifact. Very good. It's really good, yeah. Yeah. It's going to define the format. Pretty insane for, like, Jundish decks. Uh, it's an upgrade, kind of, over Vraska's Contempt. It's a one-mana cheaper, and it deals with artifacts. Um, artifacts are a big problem at the moment for, like, Grixis-type decks. So this will definitely be a big pickup there. This could contribute to the creation of, like, a Jund deck, as, as, long as, uh, as well as the, the mana that's coming up. Yeah, just an all-around great card. Very flexible answer. Uh, also, amazing art by Seb McKinnon. Yep. Yeah, the art's awesome. Are you guys? Yeah, this card's great. There was they were talking on Pro Points about. Um, I think it was on Pro Points about. Maybe it wasn't. I can't remember. But uh, someone was talking about how cards like this. They think maybe Arena is kind of figuring into cards like this getting developed, where it's like in best of one just so you don't lose to like you know a random weird permanent like an artifact it's like more important to have more flexible answers that can deal with them or like there's another there's another card in this set that kind of randomly kills enchantments as well right i can't remember which one it is oh it's a worm right worm yeah the worm blows up a land Oh, sorry, yeah. Yeah, with an activated ability that isn't a mana ability. So again, yeah, that's just kind of another another weird tacked-on thing that, like, it, it's not the cleanest design, but it's, like, it, it could very well be that if you're if you're designing for a lot of people playing best of one, you want you want to have more games where people can answer these, these kind of slightly harder-to-answer permanent types. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that makes sense, yeah. Um, and I mean, we can also see that. Uh, I mean, this is always a feature of um, of split cards, but we can see that with the split cards majorly as well. Like they're, uh, we don't. None of us have them on our top threes, which is kind of crazy. But all the split cards in this, at least playable, at the very least. Yeah, hundred percent. Oh yeah. yeah. Then none, none of us have it on our list either. But like deputy of detention as well is just another like like that's going to see play everywhere and it just deals with any non-land permanent you know what i mean yeah yeah so there's, a, there's a lot of cards like that in this set that are just you know you're not going to be able to rely on your weird enchantment or whatever in, in a best of one game on arena to win it yeah yeah all right well that's it for my top three uh al do you want to do you want to move on to yours um we'll dive right in um include so look get up here sorry so hmm? Yeah. Right, so we'll have a starting off with yeah, Judith the Scourge Diva. Okay. Um, yeah, so it's a one black red for a 2 2 human. Um, other creatures you control get plus one, plus zero. Whenever a non token creature dies, you control. Ever, sorry, whenever a non token creature you control dies, uh, it deals one damage to any target. So this is a very, very good blood artist. Um, yes. Yeah, so I suppose the first thing you look at. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, the first thing people, I think the first place you go to you look at a card like this, you see there are some tokens, or there's are some um, uh, like aristocrat kind of pieces uh, in, in, in this format. 
so I think a lot of people are, are going straight to, oh, we'll, we'll you know, build, build uh, black, black, red, there's scratch deck, you know, this is be, this being your payoff. We could have, we have like some like stack outlets, like, you know, cost one mana or you know, cost happy. But I suppose from playing uh, Ultimate Masters, Ultimate Masters, there's a card called, um, oh, it's called uh, Tasting in Guanar. It's a similar kind of effect to this. Than this, it's a 3-1 uh, lizard that does uh, uh, one damage to the opponent whenever a creature dies. So kind of, just, I, I noticed in Ultimate Masters that you don't necessarily need that card in a uh, Aristocrats type deck. You, you can just have it for value. So I think you're just, I think you'll just be playing a normal mid-range deck uh, with you this something like a black red uh, deck we were describing earlier. If you just have a white board, you have you do it comes down and just makes all your opponents' uh, potential blocks just much worse. And um, so I think you're just going to play it off the value of that without necessarily needing to build around it. Yeah, and like even though the the dying clause doesn't work for tokens, like it still gives tokens plus one plus zero, so it's going to be really good with like you know goblins or afterlife spirits stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. It's like yeah, so it's it's not less. It's like um yeah. So even even though you're making yeah blocks more difficult because uh yeah, well the pinging that's going to happen. Uh, yeah, it has this anthem effect uh, safe onto it. But I guess it's already an anthem effect. It's half of an anthem. Half of an anthem. Yeah, it's really it's really strong. Like I think. And it's a human, which is definitely relevant for, for modern, probably. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, you um, kind of touched on it there a little bit, Al, but uh, this is like the the effect of uh, of her ping is is crazy because it's any target. Yeah. Y- usually, so it's like, yeah, if you... Like Blood Artist or Zulaport Cutthroat or whatever, they were like, your opponent loses one life. Not... Yeah, you can kill creatures with this. Like that's crazy. You can kill creatures with it. So like, yeah, so. they they kill your creatures, you kill their creatures right back. Yeah, exactly. And it's like a so if you have a chain worder, chain worder can't be blocked by a four four. No, a five five even. Uh, it'll trade on a five five. Uh. So yeah. Yeah, because it'll deal four and then. Oh yeah, yeah, it's a four. Yeah, yeah, it's true. So, so yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's 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 like I feel like when, when I was thinking about it first, it's like oh this this card is really good for you because of all the. Potential pinging, all potential interactions there are, and um, then I think just this uh, half anthem, this um, you can call it Ireland's call. It's not quite an anthem, but it's it's nearly there. Um, that is like just adds so much value to it. Like, is this? There's been so many boards where you just if you're if you're ahead, if you're, if you're um, a parody or you're slightly ahead, uh, this just comes down, and then you know it happens all the time in Ultimate Masters when you know, your opponent attacks with other creatures, including hissing guanars, and then you're like thinking about your blocks. You're like, oh wait, no, I'm just dead no matter what I do. Yeah, so I could say like, I, I could see a lot of games ending this way with a do this discourage to you, but yeah, I think this card's great. It's very scary. She's pretty cool. Yeah, I like that Harlan's call thing as well. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we can try um, painting that as a as a the name of this effect. Do you yeah. Have, um, <laughs> uh, I, I can jump on to the next card, um, which is a card I think is absolutely insane. Um, it's a spawn of mayhem. It's a two black black for a demon. It has spectacle. Spectacle is the Rakdos mechanic. Uh, you can cast a spell for spectacle cost uh, if an opponent has uh, lost life this turn. Um, so spectacle cost is one black black. And it's a flying trample four four, and has a text that says at the beginning of your upkeep, uh, spawn of mayhem deals one damage to each player. Then if you have ten or less life, you put a one one counter on spawn of mayhem. So it's pretty easy to evaluate this in terms of like oh, this potentially come down, you know, being a massive flyer on turn three. What's uh, it, tur- it switches on all your all your other spectacle cards? What's the regular cost? Sorry, black, it's, uh, black. two black black, two black black, two black black. So, yeah, yeah. So it's it's um, it's yeah, so like the worst case scenario. It's a four mana four four flyer trample, which 
<laughs> it's still pretty good. And then also, it's like, so if you're imagining kind of what turn three looks like with this, what turn four looks like with this, it's easy to see how it's really, really good. But if you just play one turn three, play the one turn four, like if you have two five five fire tramples in the air, uh, the game is going to be over very, very quickly uh, if your opponent doesn't have an answer to it. Yeah. Um, so I think it's like, it's, I think it is just the kind of guard that can dominate a game if it's not, remo if it's not removed straight away. Yeah, and like I said, it yeah. just turns on all your other spectacle stuff. And this one is a mythic, so it's going to be pricey. Yes, yeah. So bye, bye, bye. I think it's the yeah, best it's mythic. Uh, yeah, I think it's the best mythic in the set. The mythics in general in this set, the power level doesn't look all that high to me. Uh, like a lot more of the power is at rare and uncommon. But this yeah, one is yeah. definitely up there. Yeah, classic mythic. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think it was fits right into our aggressive black red X deck. It, it looks very cool and yeah, quite pushed. This this feels like one of the most pushed cards I've seen in a while. Um, yeah, maybe Nullhide Ferox was the same kind of like reaction that I got in the last set, but this doesn't even this barely has a downside. Nullhide Ferox has a massive downside. Yeah, and the life arc has such a strong uh, building because uh, that construction and restriction. Yeah. Yeah, this card's just insane. I cannot wait to play this. Like the turn, if you have like a very spectacle based deck, like if you untap with it, it's like almost like you, it's like a Black Lotus or something the next turn. If you get if you get to cast like two cards for their spectacle cost. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I think yeah, yeah. free the potential for free activation of your spectacle without attacking definitely definitely um pushes this into like another another tier and in terms of activating it i i don't know what what do you guys think might be the best the best option to 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 make sure that you get to play it on turn three for its spectacle cost i suppose just like haste creatures or like a... Yeah, just playing... A well, haste doesn't really matter, right? Because you wouldn't have the mana to play a haste creature and this on turn three. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm just thinking, like, Fanatical Firebrand is, like, the MVP yeah. of Spectacle. Like, gob Goblin Instigator? Like, that's quite likely to... Yeah. To get through yeah. on yeah. turn three. Yeah. Like, and you can have, like, Judith in the deck as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Seems really good. Yeah. Like as well, like when you untap with it as well, like say you play it on turn three, then on turn four they lose a life. You get to cast like your your uh, drill bit for one mana, <laughs> take the settler wreckage out of their hand, like, <laughs> play another haste exactly. creature. You know, it's like you can imagine some really busted stuff happening. Certainly, yeah, yeah. Speaking of, all right, oh my my last card, controversial one. Uh, drill bit. Um, I think this card is going to see a lot of play because um, there's two puns in this name. So drill bit. Um, it's, it's well, it's black card. Drill bit. Uh, the art is a dude being crowd surfed, and a spooky looking clown is about to drill his brain with um, a big drill. Um, so the flavor text is never boring. I like that. Boring. It was like a show and boring to your brain. And uh, a bit is like you know, it's like a like a like a comical bit. You know, it's like a, a performance piece. The drill oh, bit. right. I didn't get that. Not great. Exactly. So uh, I think this card's going to see a lot of play because of that. <laughs> the best. Yeah, so we were, talk we were talking about this card before we started recording. I think people are very split on it. I, I think it's quite good, personally. Wolf, you're not so high on it. No, I think it's terrible. 
I think we should, we should we should say what the card does. Oh, sorry, it's a it's a two to black um has spectacle of uh, black. Uh, target player reveals their hand. You choose non on card from it, uh, and they discard that card. So it's a uh, totsies. We don't lose life. Exactly. But it costs three mana. Yeah. Sometimes. Yes. Like. Yeah, but I, I think it's. Oh, go ahead. Can, can we can we not just play mind rot lads? What? No. Is that not? But they get to choose the cards when you play mind rot. Yeah. That's an important difference. We'll just uh, we'll just outcard them with the uh, theater of horrors, which is another card that I can't believe we don't have in our top threes. I think we need. <laughs> What's theater of horrors? Oh my god! How do you not know theater of horrors? It's amazing. No, this is. It's a. Uh, it's like siege. siege on crack. Uh, it's uh, a. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry to take away from drill bits time in the spotlight, but yeah, sure, fine, fine. Well, I'll, I'll be taking theater oh, yeah, of horrors yeah. out of your hand with my drill bit. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay, I've got to, I've got theater horrors up here. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's a, it's um, it's an enchantment for one black red, and it says at the beginning of your upkeep, uh, you exile the top card of your library, and if an opponent lost life this turn, you can play any cards that have been exiled with it, and it also has an activated ability three and a red to deal one damage to, um, an opponent or a planeswalker they control. I think is the activated. It's actually it's, it's, yeah, it's actually templated as target opponent or planeswalker. So we can ping your own planeswalkers. Oh, okay, weird. Which is strange. Um, yeah, I, I misread this the first time, and I didn't realize that it, it wasn't just the same turn. I didn't realize like it, they the cards just pile up in exile, and you can play them on any turn after that as long as you still control the theater hers. Yep. Oh shit! Did not get that until now. On a, yeah, oh that's that's really good. I I really regret putting drill bit up there now <laughs> that I've read this whole card. If, if, yeah, because I, I, I kind of saw it as being like a Rakdos-flavoured um, Siege. What, what's it called? The, the Outpost Siege. Cans card? Outpost Siege, yeah, yeah. Um, if you want to use the ability on, um, on, yeah. uh, on Theatre of Horrors, then, of course, you're not going to be playing many of the cards off it. But one important part to note is that you can actually you can play lands. So... Mm-hmm. Ooh, yep. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's like it's like yeah, building I, a second hand every turn. It's actually that's bananas. So like, I think it's better than experimental frenzy. Mm, I don't know if that's true. Because like, you, this is n- it's not as good when you're behind, right? I think it is because y- you now have an uncounterable source of damage on the field. Yeah, but like four mana is like a lot. In the decks that played Experimental Frenzy, you know? Yeah, I, I think it's probably worse against a deck like, like Golgari, where you're going to lose very quickly after you get behind. But against a deck like a Control deck, like a Jeskai deck or a Grixis deck, that won't have that many ways to remove it, you're just getting like a free one damage and like playing loads of cards off the top of your library every turn while your hand is still there and you can still play the cards in your hand. Yeah, that's true. I think with Experimental Frenzy, though, you generally just win the game within like two turns after playing it. Yeah. At which point you've you've played like five to ten cards off the frenzy, mm-hmm. whereas this you will you will only be able to play two cards off this at that point because you only exile one per turn. Yeah, but like you still have. Access but if the games go on very long, yeah, yeah, and you still have access to your hand, as you say. Yeah, yeah, I can see this. Anyway, yeah, I think it's yeah. a pretty cool card and and has some applications. I don't know, maybe you can play both. Mm, they're probably not very good together. 
Yeah. Yeah, I don't think you need both. Yeah, it's interesting, though. Uh, I don't know if it's better than drill bit, though. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, this is a, yeah, so that, that is a, those are my three cards. Uh, okay. um, Judith, Spawn of Mayhem, and uh, Theater of Horrors. Okay. Just pretend drill bit never happened. Okay. We're we're on a serious Rakdos buzz here, so let's con- let's keep it going with Kieran. Oh yeah. yeah, so my first card is another Rakdos card. It is Skewer the Critics. It's a sorcery that costs two and a red, has a spectacle cost of red, and uh, it has the text Skewer the Critic- Critics. It deals three damage to any target, so it's Lightning Bolt, basically. Uh, and it, well, it's Sorcery Lightning Bolt if you have Spectacle, and otherwise it's pretty unplayable three damage for three mana. Open fire, was that that card? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Fire is an instant. Yeah, so I think think this card is great. I think, like, the the red-black burn deck was, like, almost there last standard. Like, I certainly lost to it a few times. Um, And for for one thing, the mana is going to be better for it this time around because you have blood crypts. crypts. Uh, So, like, having smoother mana is nice for those decks. And, like, this just seems like, like, you have so many bolts now. You have, like, you have this card, Lightning Strike, um, the one in a black. They lose three life. I can't remember what that one's called. Uh, Sovereign's Bite. Yeah, Sovereign's Bite. And then there's another one as well, right? Oh, like Wizard's Lightning? Yeah, Wizard's Lightning as well. Yeah, so you just you just have so many like Lightning Strikes slash Lightning Bolts that yeah. I really feel like a, like a burn deck could just be a thing. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, it's yeah, like I said, the deck was already already there and it's already been tweaked, I guess, and has this is like what well, has Risk Cracker and um, Sword Point diplomacy. Yep, yeah, exactly. Yes, yeah, so, so Sword Point, so that Sword Point diplomacy is like a bolt as well, like three bolts. Yep, true. So honestly, this is this is kind of where I'm thinking for like week one of the format, the deck I want to play. I was thinking just play like Rakdos Burn, which just seems like legitimately like I haven't put a list together, but just from looking at the cards, it seems like. Really easy place to start in the format. I have a list. Yeah, yeah. And then... Pardon, Wolf? I, I have a list right here. I do. It's a list that I put together, but uh, it's like it's not very innovative. It's like four Vision of Pyromancer, four Gitu Lavroner, four Fanatical Firebrand. Then you got four Shock, Lightning Strike, four Skewer the Critics, uh, four Sovereign's Bite, four Risk Factor. Three Wizards Lightning and three Theater of, Hor- Theater of Horrors. Uh, mm, I think it's 22 or 21 lands. It's four Dragon Skull Summit, four Blood Crypt, nine Mountain, and five Swamp. It's 20. Uh... Nice. I think Flame of Keld is probably better than Theater of Horrors. No, no way. No, I don't think that's true at all. So. Just that. Because those are on, on the one point, Wolf made that. that, that like, yeah, control opponent stabilizes on four. Um, actually, there, that's a bad example because they're, they're going to lose if they say, "Well, yeah, they're going to say the same lines of four, got seven cards in hand." You slip a, a theater through, and uh, yeah, you're, you're just going to be picking them to death because it's like I feel like one thing I keep on forgetting is that we're talking about uh, dealing damage to your opponent to get your spectacle cost down. But you know, it's easy to forget that you know, dealing damage to your opponent also you know wins in the game sometimes. That's true. Yeah. I've won many a game of magic like that. <laughs> exactly. So it's like you're, you're still doing your, your even though you're jumping through hoops to get your these spectacle costs. You're still doing what your deck wanted to do. Yeah, and I guess uh, Flame of Keld is kind of a nombo with um, Sovereign Spite as well, because it's life loss. Oh, yeah, yeah. That is pretty nice. All right. Anyway, I think that's a great card. And that's, yeah, as I said, a good place to start in the format. 
Uh, okay. Moving on, my second second card that I've chosen is a uh, Wilderness Reclamation. Let me just get it up here. There we go. So it is uh, an enchantment, three and a green, and it just says at the beginning of your end step, untap all lands you control. So I've never played with an effect like this in standard. So I'm not really sure what to expect, but just reading it, it seems pretty busted. Like we've all seen what yes. Teferi does, just untapping two lands every turn. Um, yeah, and, yeah. And it's pretty absurd. Like I feel like Turbo Fog is the first place you're going to look with this deck, right? Like it just lets you cast a lot of like, like you're casting that like blue, you know, scroll, uh, the blue card with addendum, uh, draw three. And then if you cast it in your main phase, you scry three, then draw three. Like that's insane yeah. with this card, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then like, yeah, it's insane. Like you, you could just jam a planeswalker on like any turn. It doesn't even have to be Teferi anymore. Uh, you know, you can like cast next multiple nexus of fate, like in the same turn, you could cast two of them. Jesus. if there's two in your hand. Oh God. Yeah. I feel like it's almost like it takes away from the downside of, you know, planeswalker and control deck. Usually, you know, obviously it's devastating when the opponent plays, um, uh, Teferi, and you're like, all right, now's my chance to get something, something true, and they untap two lands to represent Essence Scatter. Whereas, yeah, now they can just, yeah, untap everything and represent everything. <laughs> yeah, like you can just play way more card draw spells than you would be able to otherwise. Mm. You can play like more expensive counter spells than you would be able to otherwise. Yeah. Like, uh, like one of the things the Fog deck kind of this time around that like it didn't have enough two mana Fogs, like you had to play three mana Fogs. That's like not as big as a deal anymore with, with this card. Oh, yeah. Because you have way more mana. Yeah. Also, you can in that fog deck, or any 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 deck that plays this card, you play it on turn four, you get the mana back at the end of the turn. So if you have instance, obviously it plays very very well. With instance. If you have any instance, it was like free in terms of mana. It was a zero cost card that turn. So if you have like if you play this in the fog deck and you have a fog in your hand, you play this, and then you also have like say I don't know a chemist's insight or whatever in your hand. You know, you t you untap all the cards, uh, you untap all the lands at the end of your turn, and like, how are you ever going to lose that game? Yeah, and it's like you don't even, yeah, as you said, you don't even have to untap with this enchantment in play, which is normally the problem for these kind of clunky permanents. It's like you get the effect on your the same turn that you play it. You don't even need to untap. Yeah. So yeah, this card seems fairly ridiculous, and uh, I think I should buy a playset of Nexus of Fates or for next standard. Yeah. yeah well, what were they thinking? Jesus. I was thinking, like, what are the chances that Nexus of Fate gets banned off the back of this? You mean, like, uh, right now? Or, like, after... No, after. after this? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's there's no standard events for, like, the next couple of months, really, right? So... Yeah, I guess. Like, the Pro oh, Tour yeah. is modern, and there's barely any standard GPs, so maybe they won't be that bothered about it, but... Yeah, I guess. So. But like, not 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 that many people like playing Turbo Fog decks either. Is the thing you know what I mean? Like, even if it's really strong, I feel like it, you won't see it everywhere. Yeah, not many people like them, and everybody hates playing against them. So, yeah, that is a bigger problem. That's true. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Are we all on the same page? This card is uh, insane, or do people think yeah. it's it's pretty manageable? Okay, it's popping on it. All right, and then I'll move on to my last card, which also plays incredibly well with Wind Wilderness Reclamation. It is Frilled Mystic. 
just getting it up there. So Frilled Mystic costs green, green, blue, blue. It's a creature elf lizard wizard. Uh, it has flash. So it's a three, two with flash. And when it enters the battlefield, you may counter a target spell. So turn four, you play your wilderness reclamation, you untap your lands, and then you can counter a spell with Frilled Mystic the same, same turn. So Pretty yeah. Pretty sick. Yeah, so that sounds pretty unreal. Uh, the only thing is that, like, I'm not sure if... I mean, like, again, maybe that's just a different deck for Wilderness Reclamation. Obviously, that doesn't really go so well in the Fog deck because you're not really interested in an overpriced counter spell just because it has a 3-2 attached to it. But, like, you know, in some kind of, like, in a Teamer deck or a Bant deck, like, creature creature deck, maybe you're playing that... Uh, what, what, what is the, the new Birthing Pod creature called? Uh, Prime Speaker Vanifar. Yeah, Prime Speaker Vanifar, like that's obviously ridiculously good with uh with this card. Oh, yeah. Like like letting you fetch up a counter spell in your in your creature deck. Um yeah, so like Mystic Snake has always been good. This this card is like slightly harder to cast, but I don't think it's gonna matter that much in a standard with with really good mana like we have now. Mm. Um and the extra power is like a a really big like clock increase. For like attacking creature decks that want to be proactive, so I think this card is is excellent and is going to see a lot of play. Yeah, it's pretty great, pretty insane. And uh, just when you were talking about Bant there and like Prime Speaker Vanifar, I thought like if you do play it in Bant, there's also there's a white um, blink spell you could use it with. Yeah, yeah, it could be really good with flicker stuff. Yeah, I'm not sure how much of that is in standard at the moment, but I always like messing with that stuff. I think it's just that one. There, there are a few. No, that doesn't work. I was saying, gonna say there's a couple of black spells that, like, when a creature dies, you just bring it back to the battlefield immediately. But that doesn't really work. No, but like, I don't think you really need to go through that many hoops for this card to be good. Like, I think it's just gonna be very good. Yeah, it's just like, like as a baseline. Yeah, face value. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, we mentioned like non high ox in the um, the deck builder restriction around that. Like, this allows you to play interaction while still keeping your creature count very high. True. Yeah, like just against like control decks, countering it to fairy or like a five mana wrath or something like that. Like this card is just going to be GG. You're just going to be able to swing for lethal the next turn a lot of the time. Yeah. So yeah, those are those are my three cards. Also, uh, shout out to Growth Spiral was was another Simic card that uh, I wanted to uh, to mention because I think that card's really good as well. Also, incredibly good in the Turbo Fog deck, which is another reason why I'm a little bit scared. Yeah, I'll get more and more worried as, as we go through each of these cards. Yeah, so Grass Spiral is a it costs green blue. It's an instant. It says draw a card. You may put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield. Also works well with Wilderness Reclamation, I guess. I mean, as do any instance. <laughs> you, uh, if you play Growth Spiral on turn two and you actually are able to put the land into play, then you can play Wilderness Reclamation on turn three. Yeah, that's pretty good, right? Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. But I think the the clear solution to fighting against this um, turbo fog menace is to just fill our decks with drill bits. It's very true. Although it's hard to deal them damage and make it cost one mana. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess that's true. You could play um, Carnival. That's like a the one of the split cards from from Rakdos. It's like deal one deal of damage to, to a creature and a. And a... Oh yeah. Yep, that's pretty good. Anyway, that's all I got to say. But I think the set looks um, pretty strong. Like I, I, I don't know. It's 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 going to be interesting to see. I don't really know 
where a lot of the cards fit in apart from the ones that we talked about like the, there might just be a bunch of new decks because the mana is going to be so good that maybe a lot like a lot of the decks we're talking about aren't even going to be relevant just because we're going to have so many other options now well i think that um the 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 level of like mana fixing leads me to think that it's going to be something like uh like the dragons of tark not dragons of tark here like uh the zendikar standard where we had like fetches and fetchable duels um, mm. it's like going to be like almost that level of good so there could be there's definitely going to be like a bunch of three color decks and maybe even some four color kind of good stuff type decks uh yeah I, th- I think that's a reason why aggro like burn decks are going to be good at the start as well because if people are messing with that and they're shocking themselves like three times a game like that makes your job as a burn player a lot easier yep you took the words right out of my mouth that's what i was gonna say oh sorry my bad that's <laughs> it's uh the logical conclusion um yeah so that's our that's our top three for for each of us uh so far anyway i mean the, the whole set's been spoiled obviously i'll put it in the show notes but uh like these are the cards that kind of stood out to us that we thought were interesting for whatever reason obviously there's plenty of cool cards in the set and we'll see what actually shakes out to be to be useful as it goes on um i think now we're going to do our tournament report Oh yes. Oh, that's uh, I mean, nothing doing really on my end. So, you guys are gonna have to bear the brunt of the tournament reports for the foreseeable future. Yeah, that's fair. I guess uh, we could do the tournament report of the RPTQ we went to in August because that was the last episode we recorded. <laughs> was uh, was just before that. Yeah, yeah, I was prepared for that. Um, really? Do we yeah, so, yeah, we'll... report on that. The the result of it now. I don't think so, no. Oh, okay. All right. Well, let's recap us. I mean, yeah, it was, it was a long time ago, and it was obviously a standard that's long gone. Um, so we probably don't need to dwell too much on it. Uh, but we, we did not win. Um, I know I know, my personal record was absolutely terrible. Uh, Hurons, I think yours was well, better. I didn't finish a lot. Of, I was playing a control deck, so I didn't finish a lot of matches, to be fair. I wasn't keeping track. I think Liam, who was the third member of our team, I think he was keeping track of... Uh, our wins and losses, but I, uh, in team tournaments, I don't really, I don't really keep track. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I did. I think I did relatively okay. Yeah, it was a tough tournament, though. Yeah, yeah. So this was um, uh, standard, uh, team unified standard. Uh, it was over in Milton, Ke- Milton Keynes. Um, that's that's what it is, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Milton Keynes. Uh, it's a terrible yeah. place. Yeah, it's just weird. It's a, it's like for anyone who hasn't been there, it was designed as like a planned city. I think in the in the seventies yeah. in the UK, and it's just sort of it's all these like. It was designed after like an American sort of like block structure. So it's all these like very wide avenues and boulevards that are that are just in like American city block style. And it just doesn't it just feels like very alien and out of place and like artificial, like in the UK. It's just a very strange place. And it's it doesn't I just couldn't couldn't imagine living there or like anyone, you know, it being someone's home really. It just feels very like plonked down, built up yeah, in like the middle a, of nowhere. Yeah, like a university or something, like a new university. The residents of um, Keynes getting their town insulted. Yeah, <laughs> I apologize. Mean, I, I guarantee most of them agree with me, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, so, God, I can't remember what we were playing. I was, um, I was mono red, um, Liam was uh, blue black, blue black mid range, I think it was, and um, Kieran was uh, blue white control. Um, so we, we, it was. It was I think the last time we talked about this, we were kind of going back and forth with all the different combinations. And this was 
a combination that we felt worked pretty well. Um, the the Scarab God was still legal and standard at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it was a it was a Scarab God standard. Um, <clears throat> so I, I I can't remember what what, what your detail of matches, but one uh, one instance that does uh, stick out in my mind is um is the use of double bunt when uh, in my game uh, I, I was playing a mono red mirror match. I just made a terrible punt of just um miscalculating. Um, I think it was like I had a hazard and um, they had a hazard. Uh, we were kind of swinging back and forth, you know, kind of. I had the math all kind of straight in my mind. Then uh, I didn't factor in that they could activate hazard twice on their next turn, which just you know, threw the game away. So um, the game was over. So I'm so I decided that what I'd do is I'd turn um, to lean, who's it beside me, and uh, give him advice that would make him immediately throw his game uh, <laughs> in, in his game. Because like, it wasn't enough for me to throw away my game. I had to do it to someone else. Uh, so here, so if you are here, sports, I, I feel like neither, neither of us saw where this was going. Um, he had a uh, he he had a two one uh, token from uh, Champion Wits. No, sorry, no, he, sorry, no. He had a scarab god, so he's like winning. Um, he's like very very far ahead. Uh, opponent um, has a. No, sorry, I'll start again. Uh, he we so we have scarab god and we have Champion Wits token. So like we're already very very far ahead. As long as our scarab god stays alive, we're fine. Uh, opponent has um, this this is a blue black uh, mid range rear match. Uh, opponent has. Um, uh, oh, Glinsky Flyfinner, two uh, one menace. So opponent uh, draws card, thinks, and then attacks with, attacks with Clancy Cycler. So the opponent was, um, didn't have two energy, but you know this attack uh, put him up to two energy. So Liam turns to me and says, "Do we double block here with our?" Um, sorry, it was actually it wasn't the champion token. It was the champion wits. It was actually the two one champion wits. So Liam turns to me and says, uh, "Do I double block here with Scar God and the champion wits?" Uh, and I looked at it. I looked at the board. I was thinking, and I said, "All right, I think this is an attack that he's just trying to get this for the energy." Uh, I think we're fine with double block, double block here. Like we're not going to get blown out by a pump spell or something stupid like that. So uh, we double block. Um, the opponent kills the champion wits, and uh, but then leaves our scar god as being the only creature on the board, and then plays Doomfall. Oh yeah, I remember this. Like, can't, yeah. yeah, I can't believe it. We did. <laughs> I can't believe um, I, 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 it's yet to come. So we went from like a very very. Um, you know, if you imagine the advantage of our swung like greatly one from one direction to the other. That we were very very far ahead after scar god. And now empty board and the bonus you know has cards um so uh, that was uh, that was kind of nonsense that we got up to uh, on, on on the bottom tables of milky keens or pgq <laughs> yeah that was pretty good i got to i got to disallow a bowmat courier activation when my opponent discarded like four cards or something like that to get the bowmat courier cards that was pretty good it was very good my opponent was very confused <laughs> you yeah you played against um craig jones last name I did, yeah, of the the Pro Tour uh, Lightning Helix clip fame. I was very confused at the time. I didn't realize uh, who it was. Uh, but yeah, so he he was playing Mono Red, and uh, he needed to top deck something. And then I didn't I didn't realize who it was at the time. And then one of his uh, his teammates was like, oh, "Just top deck Lightning Helix," and everybody laughed, and I laughed as well because I got the reference. But I didn't realize that was actually the Lightning Helix guy I was playing against. <laughs> but uh, he was a, he was a very nice opponent. He was very courteous and uh, had a good had a good match against him. He actually did draw something good, though, didn't he? Yeah, he did top deck, whatever it was, light, lightning strike or something. Fire with fire. No. Fire with fire. Yeah. I think it was fire with fire, actually. Yeah, yeah. it was. that was a w- annoying thing where it was like you had to bring in negates against the mono red deck because they had fight with fire and stuff like that. You don't have to worry about that anymore in standard because they just have bane fire and you can't negate it anyway. It's much nicer. <laughs> you don't have to lose anyway. It's fine. Yeah. You don't have to waste brain power on it. But yeah. To bring in the- yeah. But yeah, it was, it was, it was definitely experimental frenzy. Is that going? You still have to bring in the gates because of experimental frenzy. 
Oh yeah, yeah. You just hope they don't draw it. Fine. This left to draw the cards. Sure, it's all best of one now. Anyway, there's no sideboards anymore. <laughs> I wonder do, 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 would it come a day where we'll be um, reminiscing uh, sideboards the same way people reminisce about um, damage on a sack or um, mana burn? Oh, can you imagine? I hope not. Uh, did you see? I think it was Daniel Fournier posted a like a screenshot of an email he got from the WPN that was like, "Try out lightning drafts at your next FNM," but it was like best of one drafts. Yeah, yeah. Did you see that? that? Sounds miserable. Yeah, it sounds terrible. So it sounds like they do have plans to uh, to experiment with best of one in, in paper magic as well, which big thumbs down for me. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so, that, so, that, so that was our Milton Keynes uh, tournament report. Um, we finished. I think we're were we, did we even go positive. I think we went to a gentleman's three four or something. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, I'm uh, yeah. I'm disappointed that I missed that one out. Yeah, I got it. it, was, it, was, it was, that really was fun tournament, um, especially when there's like there's like a couple of other Irish teams, so we're all you know, trash talking each other. Um, so it was great. It was a yeah, fun weekend. Uh, the best part of the trip was the terrible like Caribbean franchise restaurant that we went to both nights. That was great. Uh, I love that place. <laughs> so terrible. Um, yeah, it was great though. Yeah, good cocktails. Lovely cocktails. Um, yeah, so um, obviously we probably don't want to go through every single tournament we've been to um, over the last six months, but uh, Milton Keynes was the beginning of a, a trend of me scrubbing out of RPTQs. Um, yeah, you qualify for every RPTQ from that point on, right? Yeah, exactly. Pretty, yes. pretty amazing, like fair yeah, play. She's, <laughs> thanks, Jules. Uh, yeah, it was, it was something that um, I, think, I think it was shortly after that I won a modern um, PPTQ. I think it basically was a one of PPTQ every season since uh, since then. Um, and you won them very yeah. early in the season as well. Every time, yeah, yeah. I think there's, I think it was, I think it was that following one where it was, um, it was Orpetico in Galway, um, when Edo just absolutely destroyed it. It was like I walked out thinking, like, I am an absolute champion at Magic Gathering, and uh, <laughs> went to Rotterdam and got uh, destroyed in Rotterdam. That was the modern RPTQ, was it? No, actually, no. Um, that was uh, standard, so right. that was standard, yeah. So and then, uh, so more recently, uh, mid December, went to. Uh, um, uh, modern, uh, modern RPT in uh, uh, Glasgow. Uh, so again, it was a weekend, but uh, did absolutely terribly. Yeah, my my Tron was not on. So well, that's that's the end of that anyway, right? There's no more, or there is. There's one final RPT that you've got. Yeah, yeah. There's one more in um, start of February, February 10th, 11th. Um, so that's in Sunset. Um, so that's basically hoping just to be a you know one of those magic weekends where you'd ever leave outdoors because. It's like it's in a hotel in Sunset Airport. I was staying in that hotel, um, just in and out, play magic, go home. Going to see zero of Sunset. Yeah, that sounds fair. I might go along to that as well. You were saying there's a last chance qualifier. I might go over and play for the crack. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but it's basically it's basically like a PPQ you know, with one winner. And yeah, it's probably worth all going over. It's, you know, it's so close. Um, yeah, the accommodation is very cheap. The flight's very cheap. Yeah. But yeah, that's been a, that's been about it. I haven't really gone to any tournaments recently. I was supposed to go to GP Warsaw, but I uh, managed to mislay my passport and was unable to make a flight. <laughs> so I stayed home for the weekend and played arena instead. So that was great. And uh, and, and amusingly, the very same thing happened to me. Um, I'm supposed to be in uh, GP Prague right now, but um, on the, the the morning, I got a taxi down to the airport, and as I was getting out of the taxi, you know, like head to the rising sun, I had one foot in the taxi and another foot on the tarmac of the of the. Uh, <laughs> Of, of the airport, I realized I forgot my passport. 
uh, taxi driver fair to him. Um, he going back to my house very very quickly. Um, and I still I still had plenty of time to to go home, get a passport. Basically on the other side of the te- other side of Dublin, uh, go home, get a passport, and get, go back out again. So I ran into my room. Um, so usually before going to trip, I like to have my room like really really tidy. So you come you know so you come home to like a nice clean room. But I absolutely just destroyed my room and like it was like a hurricane, just tearing through drawers and everything, lifting up all my furniture. Um, and I could not find it anywhere. But that was um a nice uh, fifty euro taxi drive for 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 nothing. Um, oh, such a pain. Very upsetting. Yeah, it's it's, it's not a good feeling. So, um, I guess we, we've we both learned um to always know exactly where your passport is uh, weeks before the tournament or weeks yeah. before the journey. It's not going to happen again. Yeah, as for upcoming tournaments, I'm not sure what the plan is. The, the The GP schedule for the first half of 2019 is pretty scant, to be honest. There's not too much I'm interested in. There's there's very little standard. It's it's mostly limited uh, GPs that are happening. So I'll probably go to maybe two GPs or something like that. But uh, yeah, I'm kind of disappointed, honestly, in, in the scheduling that, that it's mostly limited. Yeah, yeah. Lads, I just wanted to get that out there. I just have one question for you. Well, what is a GP? Oh, that's a great question. It's it's the main event of uh, the Magic Fest convention that they uh, they have in a different city almost every weekend. Yeah, I forgot that. It's now officially Magic Fest, isn't it? I'm never going to say that. I'm still just going to say uh, GP for the rest of my life. I'm never saying Mythic Championship either. <laughs> I think it's a. It's not, people you know, we had to call it MF because you know, like GP is obviously short for Grand Prix. Um, I saw like, on Reddit thread it was like um, MF Prague. It just seems like motherfucking Prague. Like, like you can't read, yeah. you can't see those two words together and th- two two letters together and think of another word. It's also like I'd like to maybe you guys can can ask some of the other Irish lads their their experiences at Prague this weekend because like from the outside it doesn't really look like there's anything different going on. It's like I understand they want to rebrand or whatever, but like, come on, make an effort to do like some extra stuff. Yeah, exactly. I think um, yeah, I guess we checked you guys, but um, I think um, like because I was supposed to be over there, I was still part of their um their Facebook um, chat group, so I was getting all the updates. Like it really does set well from from what I can see, it just seemed like a normal GP, it's like normal side events. Uh, I think one thing that I guess was different was that there is um, there's not a PTQ, what do you call it, um, a mythic qualifier. I mean, it was a PTQ. It was just PTQ. There's, there's, there's PTQ on the Friday and on the Sunday. So two PTQs uh, on the weekend. Okay. Yeah, like I do like that. It makes it kind of more appealing to get out there for the full day on the Friday if you travel in, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But uh, like were those uh, those mythic qualifiers, like how much do they cost? Do they cost the same amount as as PTQs before? I actually don't know. I think it's it's probably hard to judge this because this was um uh, sealed ultimate, ultimate masters, which we've had a, you know probably inflated price anyway. Yeah, that's probably very expensive. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. so another thing I'll just say is that um on the night before uh, I was supposed to fly over to Prague, I was um I was drafting on Moto and doing final drafts of uh, Ultimate Masters, and uh, basically it was like at this point I was like thought I was going because <laughs> I was like getting last and practice in. Uh, I drafted a sweet. I uh, drafted a, a sweet uh, five color. No, I, I was in um, like a four color uh, granite deck with Emrakul. So I was Abzan blue, and then uh, I got past uh, Leighton Factory. I got past um, True to Breach, uh, and I managed to True to Breach someone with Emrakul uh, in a game. And then I took a screenshot of that um, thing happening. I posted it on Twitter, and then uh, on my tweet, I said something along the lines of, 
oh, I think I'll give GP Prague a miss now because, you know, it just doesn't get any better than this. So little uh-huh. did I know that I, I, that that's, I literally did give a miss. So um, I'm so happy that the last thing I got to do in this format was truly reach. That's the definition of hubris. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, it's a bummer, though. Well, we've both done oh, yeah. it now, so at least we can feel feel better that you know the other person has also messed up exactly the same spot. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, Wolf, are you going to miss many GPs? Uh, well, I'm I'm missing most of them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I'm hopefully planning to go to one in Asia at some point. Uh, I'm kind of have my eye on uh, Taipei because uh, Taiwan is like not that far away from Vietnam, so. Yeah, Taipei in June. I, I originally wanted to go to a Japanese um, uh, G- Magic Fest, whatever. Uh, but it seems like Japan is actually kind of far away from t- Vietnam still. So it's like kind of expensive. It's not like prohibitive, prohibitively expensive, but it's still like, like 300, 400 quid to, for, just for the flights to Japan. And like... The cost okay. and stuff there is quite high, so like I, it's not very much to Taiwan. It's like a hundred quid for the flights to Taiwan or whatever. So uh, I'm probably gonna like convince uh, Sonia to come with me, and we'll just do we'll have a like a holiday in Taiwan. Plus, I'll go to a magic fest. Cool, that sounds fun. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Savage. Um. So on that note, we will move on to our deck of the week, and our deck of the week is chosen by me this week. Uh, because it's the deck that I've been playing a bunch on Magic Arena, and that is Grixis Control. So this is Grixis Control kind of tuned for the best of one meta. Uh, I can pull up my deck list here. Hold on. Um, so the, I kind of got this from a, a post on Reddit. I actually don't remember the name of the person who posted it. That's, that's kind of bad. But I, I was playing a very similar deck to this, but the, this person suggested some tweaks for the best of one meta, and, and I completely agree with them, so I adopted them. Um, so I've got here, it's two Search for Ascanta, two Cast Down, two Moment of Craving, four Thought Erasure, four Sinister Sabotage, two Golden Demise, one Disinformation Campaign, one Unmoored Ego, three Nicol Bolas, one Chemist's Insight, two Ritual of Soot, three Vrasus Contempt, two Elders Reborn, one Ral. Uh, two Discovery, uh, one Nezahal, and one Syncopate. And then all the all the lands that go along with those. Uh, in the lands is Detection Tower. That's kind of the notable land. But yeah, I just found this oh, yeah. very flexible deck that can deal with everything. Um, the, the big kind of uh, takeaway from that Reddit post that I got was the Unmoored Ego. So this is like really good in best of one because if you don't have this, you literally have, I would say like you're probably like 90%, 95% to lose against like Nexus of Fate decks. Whereas if you happen to draw your Unmoored Ego, like they always tap it on turn three for Gift of Paradise. So you just cast your Unmoored Ego and then you then you take away the Nexus. And like, you can continue. You just can't do anything, right? Yeah. They, they might as well. Because <laughs> like, you have like Vraska's Contempt and the El- and Eldritch Born. Like, they're never going to stick their Teferi. And like, they don't really have counter spells. So you so you have Sinister Sabotage versus Contempt and Eldest Reborn, and like any of your threats can just end the game. Like they can fog you for many many turns, but like eventually they'll run out of fogs. Um, 
And yeah, it can also get, uh, obviously, Experimental Frenzy is a problem for this deck, because being a Grixis deck can't deal with enchantments very well unless it counters them. So Unmoored Ego is another proactive um, answer to that. Um, you can also cast Dispersal sometimes, but usually their hand is pretty full if they have Experimental Frenzy. So yeah, I've just found it to be like a flexible deck that's fun to play. And like I've also I've been playing Mono Red a little bit as well, but it gets super boring playing Mono Red, whereas this this deck presents you with some interesting decisions. And like there's a lot of white weenie as well on the ladder, so Golden Demise, Ritual of Soot, quite good there. Although um what's the card? Uh the the elephant dude. What's the elephant? The Loxodon, yeah. Yeah, the Loxodon put a plus one plus one counter on everything is the bane of my life. Yeah. So yeah, uh, I think uh, people should play it. Yeah, and, and I, I saw an hour before we started recording. I, I played a few uh, a few games of this, um, and it is it is a very fun deck. Yeah. Um, I, I never got to do anything fancy with Omar Ego, but I'm, I'm I'm waiting to shut down someone else's deck completely. Yes, I was going to say maybe Omar Ego against a uh, Retinous Rats deck, but uh, obviously that doesn't work because you're gonna you can only take four. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. four. Yeah, up to four rats. Yeah, that that does sound good to me. Like, I don't know. The four thought erasure sounds like maybe one too many to me. It's the only thing that sticks out of me. But I guess it's good with disinformation campaign. Like, you know, mind drawing the fourth one late in the game if you have that down. Yeah, yeah. I think I do agree that four might be slightly too many, but it's really good against control decks. Like, anytime you're against control deck, you want a thought erasure in your hand at all times. Like, you want one early. To stop their like early plays, like search for Escanta, or like um, even just taking their first to fairy, just slows them down for ages and allows you to develop until you get another thought erasure in your hand, and then you can like, if you can do something like have a nickel bolus, a thought erasure, and a counter spell in your hand at the same time, then you're pretty sorted because you can, you know, you can make them discard. You're scrying one, uh, you play the bolus, and then they're like they can't counter it because you counter their counter and then they discard a card it's just like ridiculous value um so but yes i i do agree that sometimes thought erasure is not at its best um especially on the draw yeah i can see that yeah. no the deck sounds good though i've played it against a lot of grixis decks when i'm playing jazz guy control and the matchup feels quite tough as well so mm. seems like it, it's seems like a good place to be kind of maybe against against a lot of white weenie and control and nexus yeah, I just like the fact that it can win against anything, really. Mm. Yeah. Mono Red is probably toughest, I'd say, is it? Mono Red is tough, but you actually, you get, it's it's kind of crazy how many one, wins I've gotten at, like, two life, one life. Because, um, like, if you can, like, survive until, like, a key, um, a key Golden Demise or a key Ritual of Soot, and then, like, if you have a couple of counter spells in your hand, you have, like, like, like let's say you draw a Moment of Craving or of Raska's Contempt, and you're just beating them down. Like, usually you, do, you don't transform Nickel Bolus at all against them. You just you just beat them with it in mm-hmm. first, yeah. five turns. Um, and, like, I've often won against them on, like, two life when they have the Experimental Frenzy. Sometimes you have to get a little bit lucky, but, yeah. it's It, it makes for... Fun, interesting games. Obviously, they're a little bit longer, which makes the grinding a little bit annoying. Especially, like, I'm currently in Platinum 2, and I've been one win away from Platinum 1, like, four times with this deck, and then dropped all the way down to, like, Platinum 3. 
So hopefully I'm gonna get there this time. Uh, yeah. God. But yeah. yeah, I'm still stuck. I think platinum. I think I'm down, back down in platinum four an hour or something like that. It's a disaster. I I I just reached uh, silver for the first time. But um, nice because I've been I've been playing with Trina. But uh, I am class at Ultimate Masters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the 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 losing streaks can can feel very very uh, punishing in best of one. Like you get you get so tilted, um, and you lose like three or four games in a row to to like mana screw or whatever when you kept very reasonable hands or like one thing that annoys me with uh with grixis is and i I suppose don't play it if if this is gonna like really tilt you is that there are kind of two halves to the deck so if you draw all your moment of cravings and your ritual of soots or whatever against the control deck you're gonna lose and if you draw all your sinister sabotages and nezahal the primal tides against an aggro deck you're gonna lose yeah, you can't win them all, I guess. I guess. I mean, you have search for Azkanta and stuff like that to help you find things, I guess. You do, yeah. You do have filtering. What, uh, do you think that you're going to take that shell and kind of keep playing with it when the next set comes out on Arena? Or are you going to try something new? Um, I mean, to start with, I'll probably, I'll probably, you know, funnel a few uh, wild cards into that Rakdos burn deck, see how that does. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's nice to have it there in my back pocket. And it's nice that because I've put, like, a good stock of wild cards into it that I have so many lands, so many rare lands. Mm-hmm. So I have a good base to build from. Um, it was also kind of a natural evolution from is it Drake's because I had I had got the steam vents and the sulfur falls. So then I just had to get the the black rare lands. Um, so it's kind of a, a decent um, a decent progression from that deck if someone's looking to move on from that deck to a different one because like economy of wild cards like being being conscious about like where you're using your wild cards is actually a you know it's a it's a genuine concern if you don't want to just spend all your money in this game like in magic online you can just go right i'll just buy those cards and then i'll have them whatever i can sell them back if i need to but like in this game like you need to unless you're super super lucky you're not going to open the cards that you you need for your deck so you're going to have to be very smart with your wild card crafting Yep, definitely. It is kind of annoying. Like, it, like I wanted to build like white weenie, and then I was just like, oh, I just can't, and I don't want to put more money in, and I'm just not going to be able to grind this towards this at all, basically. Yeah, and I, I imagine it can feel like super punishing. Like, like let's say somebody, let's say somebody picks up uh, Magic Arena today, and they decide to decide to put in like I don't know, they decide to put in fifty euro, and they buy like whatever the booster box worth of um, Ravnica cards is. And uh, they're like, great. And they get loads of wild cards and stuff like that. And they decide, right, I'm going to craft White Weenie. Now, what happens if uh, Ravnica Allegiance launches on Friday, which it launches early on Magic Arena, by the way, which is pretty cool. uh, And the whole meta changes. And now this person is left with like no wild cards. And they're like, well, now I have to play this terrible deck. I mean... You could say the same argument about like paper, but at the same time, you can just turn around and buy a new deck and paper if you want. Yep, totally agree. Yeah, yeah. it's not like yeah, you can't just like a magic online. It's so easy just to, you know, presumably you have uh, money, like well, infinite money, or whatever. It's like you, you can just instantly get the deck one. It's, it's it's effortless with bots and stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah it takes a lot more work in that arena. Same thing in. Uh in arena if you just like literally buy 
I don't know how many packs it would be, like thousands of packs, and eventually you would just get enough wild cards that you could craft four of every single card in the game. But like, I, I imagine it would cost you significantly more than buying, you know, the equivalent of those four four of every card on like Magic Online, whatever. Yeah, yeah. definitely would, yeah. But yeah, um, and they need to do something to sort out this fifth card problem, um, as we alluded to before, um, because it's just it's the, how little the cards contribute to the vault, and how little is in the vault when you open it, is just like so feel bad. So their proposed system of like the game being smart about like once you've opened four copies of a card will try not to give you extra copies of that or i don't know if they're saying it 100 won't give you extra copies or it'll just try not to give you them but either way that's much better like once once you have four copies you're like okay i'm not really going to get any more copies of this card that's good i'm going to be able to you know get more copies of other cards that i might want might want that's how it works in hearthstone right like once you have a legendary it doesn't give you any more copies of that legendary uh yes i believe so yeah it seems like it makes sense it hearthstone... oh, okay. i haven't done it yet hmm? hearthstone is also better in some ways in, in that there's like bad luck protection so like if you haven't opened a legendary within a certain amount of packs your percentage chance to open a legendary just keeps going up until you do and then it gets reset yeah it's called pseudo random distribution yeah and then I think it caps out at like 30 packs or something like that. You're guaranteed to get one and then it'll reset. Like that. Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know if there is anything like that in place in uh, in Arena, but there should be. Yeah. Well, so I, uh, I opened my fifth or like the the other day, so it hasn't happened yet. Disgusting. Disaster. Exactly. Um, I think that's probably going to be it for our, for our triumphant return. Yeah, it felt like a long one. I don't know how long it's been. It's long enough. Obviously, it just feels different recording remotely as well. Yeah, yeah, it does feel a bit different. Um, yeah, so that's the show. We'll be back next week, hopefully. Same time, same bad channel. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. sure all you listeners are we're very excited to hear us back uh, back on the airwaves but um i'm sure the one thing you were anticipating more was to hear how the ton ends guys are you ready to hear the second half of the ton can't wait oh yeah um yeah I, I want, i'll give you a quick recap um so yeah basically uh, we have uh connect is invading ulster because uh, there's this class bull that uh, the queen made once um all the lads in Ulster, uh, who all, all the soldiers and men in Ulster, just as they're about to fight back this oncoming army, they're all stricken by um, by the pangs of Ulster or the case no deed, which means the del- delibility of nine days. This is um, a curse put on 
uh, the Ulster by uh, the goddess, the goddess uh, Machib. Uh, so basically, all these men are um, feeling the pains of labor. But there is one 17 year old boy, Kukulin, who can uh, fight back this army by himself. <clears throat> so, yeah, so basically, this, so this, this uh, Connacht army is moving through Ulster. Kukulin uh, is like, kind of, he's like, you know, Launching this kind of guerrilla guerrilla warfare campaign uh, against the army, but like it's it's very very graphic. It's because uh, we all think of Kukulin as being like oh nice kind of um, you know cartoon character uh, of Irish folklore. Like it's very long descriptions of him uh, like bashing lads' skulls in with rocks, and uh, he has a slingshot. His 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 he's put away his, his slitter and his and his and his hurry stick. Uh, now he just has uh, this sling, uh, and he also uses it just to, to mow down mow down motherfuckers. Um, so it's a big long sequence of him of him just um, going going crazy and, and killing all the lads. Um, so then at one point um, he's he's confronted. So in, in between in between combats uh, he's confronted by uh, um, the Morrigan, who's like a supernatural entity. Uh, she confronts him as uh, being uh, a very beautiful young lady who tries to who tries to seduce uh, Kukulin. Then uh, he spurns her. Then they then she reveals her true form and they have a fight. Um, she keeps on shape shifting into all different things. Uh, she including an eel. Who keeps on trying to trip his eel? Who tries to trip him up? It's very frustrating. Uh, then uh, she transforms into a wolf, who gets a whole lot of cattle to stampede at him. Um, and then uh, eventually she turns into an old lady, uh, and then um, she has all these wounds that that Kukulin, um, heals her of. But I don't really know where they're really going with that. It was kind of a strange sequence. Um, but anyway, after that fight, uh, he meets um, another another supernatural figure called Lug, who is a, a Celtic god. Who reveals himself to be Kukulin's father because Kukulin is, is basically Jesus, you know, this kind of um, immaculate conception, um, son of God, uh, Jesus character. So, um, so Log puts uh, Kukulin to sleep for three days so Kukulin can heal, have all, all his wounds healed. Uh, but when, yeah, so yeah, so Kukulin's asleep for three days. So while Kukulin's asleep, um, King Konkabar, he's a king of Ulster, uh, he he sees, oh, Kukulin, he's he's you know, he's a young lad, he, he has been stricken by this curse, this uh, pangs of Ulster. So I'm gonna get a whole load, a whole load of other kids. He gets the Ulster Junior um, Soldier Army group. Uh, basically, the Boy Scouts. The Scouts. He gets the Scouts down okay. um, and uh, has all these, you know, 10, 15 year old, 10, 10 to fifteen year old children um, fighting against uh, the incoming um, uh, Connacht Army, which uh, obviously all the kids get murdered brutally uh, by the incoming army. So then Kukulun wakes up uh, and sees Very dark. the the. It is, I know, I know, yeah, we didn't run this in school, like, so he wakes up, sees all these kids murdered, um, the youth corpse of Ulster, um, so, he, so when he sees everyone murdered, he goes into a rage, so um, it's a, the, the Irish word is a reestrad, which uh, translates into distortion, but we'll just call it like a Celtic fury, it's like a, it's, it's like a, a Hulk, like he basically becomes this huge monster, one of his, um, his organs appear on the outside of his skin, his, his legs are all twisted and contorted. Um, oh my god. Yeah, like one, one, uh, his his head changes shape, and one of his eyes bursts out and hangs down from like a tendril of, of red fire. Okay. Um, basically, just turns into this horrific um, monster, and uh, just goes and just destroys uh, the incoming. Uh, he, he just he goes to the kind of camp and uh, avenges uh, youth corps. Um, okay. But yeah, by just yeah, own them more on hookers. That one, uh, one, one translation of uh, Riestrad, it was is a uh, warp spasm. Warp spasm. Wow! Oh, I like that. I mean, that is. Yeah. That sounds like a like a that sounds like a magic card, to be honest. Oh yeah, yeah it does. Oh, that, we we got to go back to designing uh, the talent time warp. Yeah. Uh, 
we'll get back to that at some point. Yeah, yeah. Um, so basically, there's like there's a dozen more sequences of of uh, him fighting. He, he returns back to normal, but um, it's uh, he he just has a series of kind of of um of single combats against a lot of different people. Uh, he fights against um, yeah, he fights against his foster father, uh, Fergus. He, fight, he fights against his uh, his foster brother, uh, Faradad. Um, like he goes kills his his foster brother. So I, I think it's like um, uh, yeah, basically kind of you can see all, all, all his friends of family have since they joined the Connacht army, and he's forced to fight against them. So it kind of changes from changes from like uh, I don't know, which kind of like a, a superhero kind of killing big giant army to like this kind of tragic oh well my family are now against me and i gotta kill all my best friends um so then basically the so so uh, cullen he holds back the army himself for um for nine days and then after nine days the ultra men start to you know come back to normal they the, the pangs uh, leave them uh, so they all get together and they uh they just fight it they fight against they just yeah they root out the um, incoming connect army uh but maeve uh even though her army's defeated she still manages to get the bull that she came to Ulster for. Uh, she brings this bull home. So basically the whole reason why this all happened was because um, Maeve's husband uh, had a bull that was better than her bull. So she went to get this other bull in, in Ulster. So she brings back this, she goes to Ulster, brings back this uh, even bigger classer bull. Uh, but then this bigger classer bull gets killed by her husband's bull. Um, and uh, basically then uh, her bull, or sorry, the the their, her husband's bull just uh, wanders around Ireland, um, giving the names to places, which I, I don't really know what that means. <laughs> it's I have I have like I I read it from a few different sources. I, I, even even in like the original book, is not really clear exactly what that means. Um, you can, on Wikipedia in front of me, it says, uh, but, the, "But the bull is mortally wounded and wanders around Ireland, creating place names before dying of exhaustion." So it like it like named you know. Galway, Galway, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This is Tallet, Santry, Bibsbury, Rush. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what's what what that's supposed to be. So, I mean, are we are we supposed to believe that nowhere in Ireland had na- a name before that? Hmm. But, uh, Maybe not. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. So it's yeah, it was like a really epic story, but the end was kind of nonsense. Um, but uh, that's 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 the time. Bit, the end. Uh, bit of an thought, right? Where the where the fancy the fancy bull got like killed by the by the crappy bull. Not crappy, but like weak. Uh, oh no, sorry, no. It, it was it was. I suppose another backstory is that it's, it's, so two bulls um were like twins. Uh, so oh. it was killed by the other strong bull. Yeah. Oh okay. Right. Uh, sorry, uh, yeah, yeah. Fiend and uh, Don Quailing are the name of the two bulls. The, um, the bulls were like a match for each other, not not like one's better than the other. Sorry, yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. So sorry. So the story started off that uh, May's husband said, "Oh, my bull is class," and she wanted to get a bull to equal it. And the only other bull in Ireland that equaled it was the, this bull's twin uh, brother, this twin brother bull, uh, Open Ulster. Yeah, she, went, she went up to get it. Um, and that is the uh, mythical story about how um, I don't know something about Ireland. <laughs> yeah, glad we <laughs> yeah, got it, to the bottom of it. Yeah. How, yeah. It's, it's, how all the place names happened in Ireland. Basically, yeah, there's, there's no lesson. Um, I, I remember reading it. Like, it was three years ago when I actually read it, and I was like, it was all cool and exciting, and it was far darker than I ever imagined it would be. But then, yeah, usually um, mythology kind of has a lesson to it, but this one was really... Um, it definitely doesn't show women in a, in a, in a good light. Every, every female character is a, um, uh, is an antagonist. Well, The tawn is cancelled, is that what you're saying? 
<laughs> the town is cancelled. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All the lads back then, they kind of, you know, they were on that buzz. They weren't. They were. Back to, yeah, yeah. They weren't into respecting the ladies. No, not like nowadays. I guess it's like, um, yeah, and the whole basically yeah, the whole story is just about how class these bulls are, which I guess is a uh, an ancient manifestation of toxic toxic masculinity. Yes. Um, <laughs> It was obsessing over class bulls. Yeah. Well, if anybody but, uh, has yeah, their, uh, scholarly insights into the town, you know, feel free to email us in. Um, I did forget to mention the email at the end of the actual show, but, you know, it's uh, skullcrack at gmail.com. No, is this? Yeah. Skull, skullcrack podcast. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Skullcrack podcast at gmail.com. Um, and yeah, you can reach us there. You can reach us on Twitter. You can reach us on Facebook. And that's going to do it from us. Bye. See you guys. Later.